Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. This is a warning. We are about to talk about Doctor Who, the latest episode. So if you haven't seen it, don't listen. Well, listen later. But you've been warned. There's spoilers ahead. You've been warned. First, there were the Daleks. And then, there was a man who fought them. And then, in time, he died. There are a few, of course, who believe this man somehow survived, and that one day, he will return. For both our sakes, dearest Hannah, we must hope these stories are true. I've got your message. Not many people can do that. I have a daughter. Hannah. Welcome to the Golden Collective Podcast. Now, they here are your hosts, Dave A.C. and I wish the Sticks Doctor. I have a choice of meeting place. They said I'd have to intrigue you. Scarrow, the original planet of the Daleks. Hello, everybody, and yeah, if you hadn't seen the episode, you just got spoiled right there. Come on, it's the beginning. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Yeah, I'm not too well, though. I've got this blister on before, I don't know what it is, but still. Just we'll, don't scratch we'll, at we'll, it. We'll, yeah, we'll keep going. <laughs> My palms really itch, and I don't know why. Hey, no dirty jokes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, as is normal for the Golden Collective when we go... Uh, when we go to Doctor Who episodes, it's a packed room, so let's get going. All right, joining us on audio, Kobo4747 is here. Hello, Kobo. Hello, good, sir. How are you? Very good, thank you. Also, Dar Skeptical is here. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Perry G is joining us. Hello, Perry. Hello. Or should I say Rocco? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Private joke, moving on. Was that a Boondock Saints reference? <laughs> no, no, no. Just an interesting email reference. Anyway, uh, Mr. Mandelfo is man. here. <laughs> hello, Mike. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Rick Wall is here. Hopefully the hellhound has been walked. Uh, not yet, but um, I'm here till she needs to be. <laughs> good, good, good. Jeff, the seventh doctor is here. Hello, Jeff. A good day, Ian. How are you today? Very good, very good. All right. Jim Jury is joining us. Hello, Jim. Hello, Ian. Well, most of me's here. <laughs> <laughs> the tired today. <laughs> Mr. Benjamin Elliott is in the house. I'm never saying that again. <laughs> Hello, Benjamin. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Hi, Dave. Hi, everyone. Good to have you back. Man. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. that's almost as bad as who's the man <laughs> in the house. And, of course, joining us on audio, Mr. Cuddly Ken. Hello, Ken. Good afternoon, Mighty Six Doctor. Mighty, I like that. I like that. <laughs> anyway, I feel quite mighty as I lower the cone of silence. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? 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 <laughs> and there's always someone. <laughs> Joining us under the cone today are Barman54. Hmm, he seems familiar. <laughs> and maybe a little bit cuddly. Uh, Logan is here. I voted for Sexton is joining us. Cyborg's here. Randall Thor just slipped under the cone momentarily. Resident Alien is here. And Star Fury 9999 nine, 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 no. Yes, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, that takes care of everybody. Now, we are skipping news. Yes, because there's lots to do. There's lots of people involved today. And so we're just going to get straight on into it. And if you're into Doctor Who, you're just getting into the show or something, and you want to join us, here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. And now we've made history with the quickest uh, route to the uh, the main topic of the show on the Colton Collective ever. I turn you over to Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Dave. Gosh, I'm, ba- I'm barely awake. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. It's nice to see a full and packed room. Hopefully that will happen for the next four upcoming weeks. Why do I say that? Well, there are five episodes of Doctor Who all through September, and it's always nice to see uh, new and older familiar faces as well. As we said, the spoiler warning has gone out. We're going to go to Cobol first, and if Mike makes it back on audio, follow to Mike. But before that, let's hear the first full clip. One, one, one thing before you start, Dave. Yep. We will not be talking about the next episode, the, uh, um, the next called? time trailer, until the very, very end. Uh, we would like to save that until the very end, in case there are people who quickly turned Drop off their off. TV and didn't want to be spoiled. So, um, please, if uh, you could remember that with your review, not to talk about the upcoming episode and not the episode title as well. Some people are trying to keep themselves spoiler-free, and we like to do what we can to make sure that happens. Thank you very much. And the same goes for the text chat. Thank you. Oh, indeed. Text chat. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, right, here's the first uh, full clip to get us started, then we'll go to Kobo. You have to sign these. And then we're not married. Just like magic. <laughs> Can't chat. Working. Really? Thought you were just pouting at a camera. Amelia Pound is acquired. Dory William 
how much trouble are we in? How much trouble, Mr. Pond? Out of ten? Eleven. Where are we? Spaceship, right? Not just any spaceship. The Parliament of the Daleks. What are you waiting for? You will save us. Oh, what? You will save the Daleks. Save the Daleks. Save the Daleks. This is you. And we're going to go to Kobo first, who may indeed say we're in a lot of trouble and it's an 11, not a 10. Let's see what he says. Kobo. Hi. This episode was awesome because it brought back classic dialects we all know and love. Plus, put a new humany womany skin on them and um I love the episode had something for everybody except for Ian apparently um it was just a great episode especially when the girl who thought she was human turned out to be a Dalek and I love how the doctor sussed that fact out by asking a simple question like, where'd you get the milk and the eggs for the souffle? I don't think a normal person would have thought about that. But what I really loved is the fact that Amy really came into her own in this episode by showing that she does have a crazy amount of love for Rory. Um, by willing to divorce him simply because he wants to have kids. And after the events of Demon's Run, she's unable to provide that. But she plays it off as if she didn't want to be with Rory. And I love how the doctor just comes in and saves that situation as well, as well. It's just beautiful. The one thing that I did not like about the episode was the very, very end where all the Daleks were like, Doctor Who? Doctor Who? And then the Doctor himself starts asking the question, because I feel like that's going to be the theme for this season, which we know it won't be revealed for a few more seasons, because the question only gets answered if the 11th Doctor falls. And we know Matt is signed on for a couple of more seasons. So it's kind of annoying to, t- to tease out an arc for this long. Um. But yeah, I thought the new human 
virus for the Daleks was pretty awesome. And I just loved how the Parliament of the Daleks looked like the Time Lord Council. I was wondering if anybody else had thoughts on that or... I think we want to give you to have you go, and perhaps they'll mention that on their turn. Um, it was almost like the time war made um distinction between time lord and Darlek irrelevant. I mean, we see it time and time again with wars that drag on. Infinitely, the lines between good and bad get massively, massively blurred. Um, and indeed, what becomes acceptable would be reprehensible in a lot of a lot of cases. And I, I think the time war bears that out. And their name for the Doctor being Predator. Yeah, and it's interesting that they now have no record of the Doctor. And will they be as much of a threat in episodes and seasons to come now that they have no record of who he is? Or can he outsmart them more easily now? So this episode has a lot of implications moving forward. Any favorite parts? Um, I loved it when he was moving through intensive care and the girl is listing all the battles that the really wounded Daleks were in and she's like ringing any bells and the doctor's like all of them (laughs) these are the ones that survived me and also when she's calling herself really really clever um what's the clever word for somebody who's really, really clever. And the doctor goes, the doctor. Hmm. I see what you did there, is what Mike would say. And indeed, the young lady did. Yeah, I thought that was... I thought the whole byplay between oh, what was her name and the doctor was just absolutely brilliant. Hence my favorite line, the chin and the nose. You two could sense. (laughs) It was just brilliant writing all the way through. Oh my god, it was just lovely to see the Daleks actually being kind of scary again. And not just 
trash can on wheels. Yeah, okay. That's really all I've got to say. Okay, thanks for going first, Cobo, and uh, glad you enjoyed it. We were going to go to Mike next, who's not back on audio, so if Tim's okay and can amuse himself, we'll go to Tim, and if Mike is back on, we'll go to Mike after, and after, and then, uh, after Tim, I'll play another clip. So, uh, Tim, are you unmuted and ready to go? Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, could you just mute me for a sec? Because it's about to get really loud. <laughs> not a problem, Cobo. Okay, Tim. Okay, yeah. Um, well, uh, there's been what can only be described as a, a fair a fair level of pre-episode hype <laughs> or pre-series hype with this episode. And I think in some ways we were led up the garden path because um, a lot of the hype involved the fact that they were bringing back all these old Dalek props and, and while it was being shot, it it came out that they'd had to borrow... Uh, a Dalek of Russell T. Davis himself. And so I think there was a degree of um, expectation from fans that these Daleks would be used um, as something a bit more than what in some ways amounts to set dressing. Because I'm not saying they weren't a threat in the episode, because they certainly were, but it it kind of seemed a little bit pointless pouring so much publicity into things like, say, uh, the special weapons Dalek coming back, when it, it, it it's barely in the episode. Mm-hmm. It's probably in, like, one scene. And I, I, I can't even remember off the top of my head whether it's, it, it's actually um, um, active or alive in any way. But um, that aside, story-wise, I thought it was... Um, very enjoyable. Um, seemed slightly odd the idea of the Daleks having this um, this parliament and some level of uh, democracy. <laughs> um, but the 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 concept of there being a planet where um, Daleks that have gone wrong or have been defeated by the Doctor and so sort of declared failures. I thought that was quite a nice idea. And um, also, it was a very pleasant surprise to see Jenna Louise Coleman. And within probably seconds of her showing up on screen, I, I, my mind went, hang on a minute, this is the actress we we were told we wouldn't see till Christmas. And so I put that thought to one side and thought, well, this is good because I haven't seen her in much and now I can sit back and actually watch her in Doctor Who. But... It's it's um, Moffat doing what Moffat seems to like to do. Uh, if uh, we go by the pattern that started with the eleventh hour, in that he's if this is in fact the character she will be playing at Christmas, he's clearly going out of his way creatively to introduce a companion in a memorable and original way which is is very commendable and also it's it's one of the best aspects of this as a story is the fact that it's it's thought provoking and it's good to have doctor who on that gets people talking and gets fans 
<coughs> actively um, discussing the show again. Uh, but right. um, I thought it was kind of predictable. Hmm. I don't think I had that problem. I, I, as I say, I think my only real problem was it with it was you have all of these Daleks and they they they, they weren't used in a way that I expected them to be used. Um, also, some people have said that they saw the the twist at the end coming. I did. Yeah. I, I didn't I, on the I didn't on the night. But it's one of those things where um, I was in a hotel room after Hooverville, and so I gave it another watch this afternoon at home on my HD telly, and tried to watch it, which is kind of impossible, really, but I tried to watch it with an open mind and say, okay, let's try and approach this without n knowing too much about the story and try and approach the twist freshly again. And when you watch it for a second time, yeah, there are, well, what can only be described as visual clues as well as narrative ones. So I guess, I guess it's there. The clues are there. But I, I would argue that when you see it first time around, not necessarily everybody, because we all approach television in different ways, but... Um, not necessarily everybody is going to be sat there going, I can see how it's going to end. I thought it was good telegraphed. I mean, uh -huh. well, all right, maybe because I'm a producer, but I kept on saying as soon as I saw her, I said, watch, she's going to turn out to be a Dominic. Hmm. Well, Tim, I wanted to say, because you said when you watch it a second time, I watched it a second time last night, and... And I sort of noticed this the first time, but the capsule that she's in sort of looks like what the inside of a Dalek dome would look like if you were small, if you were a couple inches tall oh. and you were sitting inside of it. I noticed that, especially when a doctor is talking to her from outside, you know, at near the end. So I just I, thought that, that, that looks that, like what it would look like. <laughs> that that that's that's not what I noticed. The the one that that, that I noticed was. Um, Quite near the end, when she's given him the map and he's approaching her, uh, not very often have we seen her direct view out of where she is. Yeah. She's usually flitting around various cameras in the asylum. And in the part of the story where the Doctor's approaching her is probably the only time at which you see her direct view. And on a screen, you literally see an empty room. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, doesn't actually make sense with that being the view out of a crashed spaceship that's buried itself into the asylum. On my on my first watch, that's when I started getting suspicious. Yeah. Mm. As, as, as I say, I guess it depends how you watch TV. I, I, I don't tend to watch TV in this way that, I, that, that some people <laughs> seem to, where they're trying to predict the writer's next move. Yeah, yeah I, I I would sooner let them surprise me with the twist because that way it's 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 more it's more dramatic. But yeah, Again, I, like I said, I thought it was obvious, but but that doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't a good a good thing to do. No, no, but, I, uh, I thought it was. Actually, Rick I thought it was very good, but yeah. but um, no, I, I'll I'll 
tie things up fairly quickly by by saying I thought the 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 plot throughout of the fact that the Daleks have now got this sort of nano disease thing that can possess people and gradually turn them into Daleks. I thought that was one of the best ideas in the whole thing, uh, especially with that um, pre-credit sequence. I, I was watching that, well, both last night and this uh, afternoon when I rewatched it, and I thought it's it's definitely one of the strongest things in Moffat's writing is that he can do one of these pre-credits things. And this one was quite long. I think it's possibly over five minutes before we get to the opening credits. Six, six minutes. Six, yeah. I did think it was something like that last yeah. night. And um, he drags you in with it. He, he he grabs your interest. And, and yeah, I mean, about the only other minor criticism I'd make from it, it's certainly based on my first viewing, is, and we did know before it started airing last night that it was going to be 50 minutes, on first airing it felt slightly slow, but then it's possibly because I've been re-watching a lot of um, Eccleston era stuff recently, and so I'm so used to the RTD way of doing things where it's like 42 to 44 minutes and everything's very pacey. And so I, I guess as the next few weeks go by, I'll, I'll get a bit more used to uh, the way Moffat and his team tell stories, which can be uh, a bit slower. But yeah, yeah, I mean, a very good start to, to the series, and um, I'm looking forward to see how it um, continues now, especially with um, Jenna Louise Coleman, who I have a feeling we now may not see at all again until either episode five or Christmas, but uh, we'll see what happens. One quick question about Hooverville. Did they actually show the episode at the event? Or uh, yeah, yes, they did. They had a, a, a free screening after the event, and you, you could see, you could see it there. But um, uh, having attended one of these screenings last year, I thought I'd sooner head back to my hotel room because I can I can I can a watch it without distractions and uh, uh, b get on with making the podcast um, quicker. But, um, right. Yeah. Good. Well, we know we we know you said before they started recording for people listening. Now, uh, Tim uh, has just travelled back from that event, rather tired. But you, you're going to be doing some report on your own, uh, Tim's take on, aren't you? Yeah, there's a, there's about three episodes slowly in the works, uh, but they, they they won't hit the podcast feed until after these five episodes of Doctor Who. So it'll be Sometime in October, uh, I was one of uh, three people who interviewed um, John Levine, uh, which it will be a very good listen, actually. Uh, it wasn't actually... I, I, I did worry about interviewing John Levine for several days, and it proved to be entirely unfounded. And uh, the other uh, in joint interview I took part in uh, was uh, with a a film extra called John R. Walker, who's uh, been in several Doctor Who stories. Uh, so there's, there's certainly those coming up. Well, it was just as well there was three of you, so you didn't have to take uh, John on Mano on Mano. Well, <laughs> well, well the, the thing with John Levine is you literally can ask him one question and that's about five to ten minutes gone. 
Yeah, like I said on Facebook, you were worried about what to ask him, and I said just just ask him how do you do, and that'll be it. <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's been my thing with Hooverville because you're always a part of a group of two or three people, and because interviews are ge- genuinely not not the thing really for my podcast. That my technique is to come up with at least one good question, let the other two people take the load a bit, and then I'll chip in with my one good question. I know what question you're asking. What, what colour are they? No, no, I didn't ask him that. It's the only, it's the only question left. No, no, no. I, I, I asked him about his album because um, uh, one of the things that uh, has been certainly said amongst my friends that went to Galley uh, this year was that when they got the, the programme for Galley and they were flipping through it, seeing what was in it, on one page was this uh, advert for an album, and it said um, uh, the Ballads of Sergeant Benton, and it was an advert for John Levine's uh, new debut album. And um, one of my friends said to me, uh, we thought this was a joke. We didn't actually think it was real, which is why they wanted me to ask him about it, and so we got the we got the full story of um, how it came about. Okay. Right, well, thanks very much for that. Uh, we'll be moving on now. I'll play a clip, and if uh, Mike is back on audio, we'll go to him. If not, we'll go to Darth. Here's the sex clip. Thanks, Tim. The asylum is fully automated. By armed? The Daleks are always armed. What colour? Sorry, there weren't any good questions left. This signal is being received from the very heart of the asylum. Hello? Hello? Do you read me? Yes, reading you loud and clear. Identify yourself and report your statement. Hello? Are you real? Are you actually properly real? Yes, confirmed. Actually properly real. Oswin Oswald, junior entertainment manager, Starship Alaska, current status crashed and shipwrecked somewhere. Not nice. Been here a year, rest of the crew missing positions, good, but keen to move on. The asylum must be cleansed. Then why is it still here? You've enough firepower on this ship to blast it out of the sky. The asylum force field is impenetrable. Turn it off. It can only be turned off from within the asylum. You're all too scared to go down there. Not one of you will go, so tell me. What do the Daleks do when they're too scared? The predator of the Daleks will be deployed. You don't have a predator, and even if you did, why would they turn off the force field for you? Because you will have no other means of escape. The predator is a Dalek's word for you. Me? You're going to fire me at a planet. That's your plan. What do you want with them? It is known that the Doctor requires companions. Don't worry. We'll get through this, I promise. Don't be scared. Scared? You're scared. Geronimo. <laughs> okay, and Mike is not back on audio yet, so Darth, if you're okay, we'll go with you next, please. And then we'll go to Benjamin after. Alrighty then, I guess. We'll go to me. Um, yeah, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, then you'll probably remember that there's an 
episode of Modern Doctor Who that I have a special level of hate for, and it's called The Beast Below. Mm. And I gave it a zero. And I said at the time that it's the worst episode of Modern Doctor Who that's ever been made. Well, I'm happy to say I've revised my opinion on one of those two facts. It's still a zero, but it's not the worst episode of Modern Doctor Who ever made. Clearly, that title goes to Asylum of the Daleks, which is a steaming pile of crap. And there's no way to get around that. Um, but let's talk about the good things first. And when I say the good things, I think you'll see just how bad the episode is. First of all, I'll go with one that is actually quite good, but it's not really about the episode. It's about the behind-the-scenes PR management. The deal with, um, you know, Jenna Louise Coleman suddenly showing up in this episode was brilliant. But yep. that's where it ends. The character is crap. May not be the same character that eventually she plays. We don't know. You know, who knows? But still, this character wasn't that interesting. But the, uh, the notion that somehow we could get a surprise of this magnitude is quite delicious and reminded me of the moment when Rose turns around at the end of Partners in Crime. Or at least for me, when... Derek Jacobi turns around at the end of Utopia and says, mm. I am the master. I mean, Call really, me the master. Yeah. really high quality stuff. And I will admit that at that moment in the episode, I punched the air and I stopped playback and I went to the end credits and I said, is this what I think is happening? And it was. And then I saw the rest of the episode and, well, things went downhill. But <laughs> in that one moment, I thought, this is good stuff. And also, you have to give some credit to the technical writing of Stephen Moffat here because he created a situation in which this wasn't a cameo, but could be filmed entirely on one set with a very limited crew so that it wouldn't leak out. So, I mean, just the management of the surprise, great. The best thing, though, about the episode was that we got a new graphics company producing the titles. Um, not the you know, actual title sequence, but I'm talking about the actual credits themselves. Um, it used to be BBC Wales Graphics. It's now the Peter Anderson Company. And I have to tell you, and this is maybe a little bit bigger than it sounds, but nevertheless reflects how bad the episode was, that it is a great thing to me that we have a new and readable font. Seriously, as a fan of looking at credits, it is important that the font be readable. And the font during the, the RTD era was really bad, especially on the um, end credits, I thought. Um, but I love this new, it's, it looks like it's a variant of Lithos or something like that. Um, very bold. I love the fact that it is now animated at the beginning you know, and then we get a little shimmer that's going on with the actors' names. We get a shimmer that goes on with producer and writer and director and the big names at the front. Very readable at the end. I mean, if you want to know who the sound recordist is, you're going to have no problem reading it. And it, it is the best um, font that has ever been used in the history of Doctor Who. So that's the good of the episode, and I think that shows us where we are. Um, but let's go with 
sort of the general problem that I had with the episode, and then I'll talk about the specifics. The, the overall problem of this episode is it is silence in the library done again. That's it. Um, it yeah. You know, it, it's Cal. It's just, you know, the whole thing with uh, um, Oswin is just Cal redone. Absolutely. And you've got, you know, a group on one in one area trying to manage a problem that's happening on another area, you know, like the, the asylum might as well be the backup moon in silence in the library. And you've got, you know, a person who believes their reality is something other than it actually is. That was very disappointing. I was expecting Stephen Moffat in his first attempt at really, you know, telling the Dalek story to give us something completely original, and in fact, he gave us a retread. So, right there, just the overall structure of the story. Um, Jeff, when did I you know me. that she was going to turn out to be a Dalek? I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I honestly, because, and I did, I'll get to this later, but I found that character so smug and so... Um, God, just way too hip that I wanted to slap her early in getting to know her. And, you know, it it didn't matter to me. But then when I found out, I was like, oh, God, seriously? Really? We're retelling this same story over again? I mean, it's I, I know that it's said that there are only a few stories and that every story is sort of a retelling of another story. But it's pretty bad when you directly co-opt a story that you yourself wrote not that long ago. Um, and, and, you know, it's not just that, that Cal element of it, but I, I think it's also, you know, you also get the Donna story, uh, the Donna B story that is especially prevalent in um, Forest of the Dead, um, because that, that basically plays out again in um, the Roy and Amy story. You know, it's the question of how much does one person love another person, even if that person might have some faults or whatever. I mean, basically, the Roy and Amy story is just a redo of the um, Donna and whatever that guy's name was story. Um, so the the entire structure of this episode is derivative of Silence in the Library. Now, um, if that were all it were, then it wouldn't be a zero. It would just be not creative. Um, but man, the treatment of the Daleks in this story is horrible. We were told for however many months, I suppose, that um, you know this was going to be a story that reinvigorated Daleks. Um, that it, it was going to be... Uh, I don't know. I just watched... There was a behind-the-scenes thing that I just watched yesterday in which... Um, Moffat says, you know, I'm going to make the Dalek scary again. Really? Going to make the Dalek scary again? But the central point of the plot is what? The Daleks Daleks are too scared to go down and deal with other Daleks. Really? Seriously? How does that make the Daleks scary again? That just makes them look weak and pathetic and completely out of character. I mean... Isn't the story of Daleks in the 1980s that they are in constant civil war? 
I think it is. I think that's what we're made to believe, that they are not afraid to start a fight with other Daleks. So I don't know why these are particularly so scary that they need to be um, dealt with by the quote-unquote predator. Let's talk about that, too. Does it make any sense in the world that when the doctor is down on this asylum planet and he says, oh... You know, what is it that you have to do if you recognize I'm a predator? And the Dalek who he's talking to says, I've got to kill you. And then the doctor says, but you don't even have a gun stick. How are you going to kill me? And then that is such an ingrained program that the Dalek just says, all right, I will self-destruct. I'll take myself out to take you out. Okay, so these Daleks down here are willing to take out the doctor on first sight but they're not willing up in the parliament because they're too scared and they think they can use the doctor, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. But before any of that, we have the teaser, and the teaser just commits a fundamental crime against modern Doctor Who. Now, I'm not somebody who really... Who, I'm somebody who knows a lot about continuity, but I don't really care about it. I'm fine with continuity being violated, which is why I generally believe that the new series is better than the old series. But there's a central bit of the mythos that must be maintained in the new series, and it's this. you got a person who's called the Doctor. He's a Time Lord. He travels around in a box that is bigger on the inside than on the outside, and he usually travels around with companions. They go anywhere in time and space. And the doctor is the last of his race. Why is he the last of his race? Because there was a war between the Time Lords and the Daleks. And the doctor defeated them both. And as we find out in the end of time, he puts them away in a time lock. Now, is there any rationale that makes any sense whatsoever that the doctor would put Gallifrey in a time lock so you can't visit it, but he doesn't put Scarrow away? I can't think of a good rationale for that. I think that the teaser which has the doctor turning around and saying, this is Scarrow, look at the state of it, destroys the central mythos of modern Doctor Who. Doesn't that contradict something that they said a couple of years ago? Because I thought and I could be wrong, but I thought they did say Scarrow was gone. I thought when the yeah, Master came they, back that I, they talked about Scarrow. I thought they said yeah. the, the Scarrow was destroyed. Yeah, he destroyed yep. um, um, yep. Scarrow. I think that's in um, the the middle story of Utopia. What is it? Uh, Sound of Drums, I think, is what's in, the, in the conversation that the Doctor has with the Master. I think it's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But certainly the notion of time locks and you know putting is in End of Time. And it, it really makes no sense that Gallifrey would be, you know, forbidden. You can't go there, but you can go to Scarrow. This uh, yeah, that part, well, well, that part confused me too. Yeah, yeah unless, unless he thought that Scarrow was so irreparably destroyed that there was no need to put it into a time lock. It was basically just a, uh, a, a heap uh, of No, he said it was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but th- this retcon comes from Phil Four, Master of Destruction. Um, who in the script for City of Daleks, which is a video game we're supposed to believe is canon, um, you know, has you as a player walking around Scarrow. 
And it's like, well, okay, it's a video game. I can understand, uh, you know, you need to have some interesting gameplay. Whatever. I was willing to say that is fine as long as it's not in the TV series. But Moffat just makes it a part of the TV series. And the fact of the matter is the trailer didn't even, I mean, the teaser didn't even need to take place there. You didn't need to mention the word Scaro. And let's talk about what Scaro looks like. I mean, it's terrible graphic design. Really, seriously, the Daleks created a big statue of a Dalek? That's totally inefficient. Why would a, a machine race, essentially, find any value whatsoever in creating a massive Statue of Liberty-sized sculpture in the middle of their home city? With no Why? emotion. Well, exactly. How can how can they even be artistic if emotion has been taken out of them? It it's it's so wrong on so many different levels. I mean, it's whatever. It's sort of a gorgeous CGI shot, sort of, but it doesn't make any sense in terms of the character of the Daleks. Um, and and I think that that's the you know a, a big problem with the episode is that Moffat in no way did anything to make the Daleks scary or to make them more interesting or to add a layer to their um, development. He just sort of used them as a way to introduce his new character, which, you know, that act is clever in itself. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have done that, but he did it at the expense of the Daleks, which is crazy. Not only that, but, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Victory of the Daleks, but Victory of the Daleks did at least advance the story of the Daleks, right? I mean, at least it added something to what the Daleks were about. It said, you know, all these Daleks that we have seen so far in the new series are in some way bastards, right? They're in some way not true Daleks. Mm. And we, we found this progenitor thing that was, you know, stuck away in the universe somewhere for us to eventually find. And we rebooted ourselves, which is a cool enough idea. It's a good way to bring the Daleks back while still sort of respecting, you know, the, the time war thing. Um, and, and the beautiful thing about Victory of the Daleks is, despite the B story, the A story is here they are back in force in the universe, and they actually won the time war. So that's a good dramatic point for the, the doctor to have to deal with. You know, he won this little battle, but he lost the war of the time war, ultimately, which is great. And not only that, but it, it brought back different colored Daleks, which were supposed to have different uh, responsibilities and different areas of interest, right? Which could have been used as a way of introducing some sort of intra-Dalek conflict. Was it? No. Because what does Moffat immediately do? He shoves all the multicolored Daleks in the back of the shot, except for maybe you could say the white Dalek. But the white Dalek is still, you know, in the back of the shot. And then for some reason, the drones, which were supposed to be red Daleks, right, in this new paradigm, the drones now appear to be Russell T. Davies' era Daleks, bronze Daleks. Are, even though we saw the Supreme Dalek destroy bronze Daleks, or green, you know, whatever. They were, they were still derived from bronze Daleks. Um, in Victory of the Daleks, and say, you are unclean, you are impure, you are not real Daleks. Now it appears as though, in fact, they are the real Daleks, and the white Dalek is around, you know, to sort of be the supreme, kind of, 
except there's a prime minister Dalek now, which makes zero sense. Um, but the, the stratification that the colors naturally suggested is now lost. And I think that's horrible. If you're going to go to the point of offending a lot of fans and making them think, you know, this is a crappy design and making them, you know, confront change, it makes no sense whatsoever to poke your tail between your legs and revert that change and yet still keep them around in some way. And I'd like to say, by the way, Red Daleks looked gorgeous in this episode. Seriously, go back and look. I mean, you have to look kind of hard because they are in the back of the shot, but they look gorgeous, which only proves what I was saying at the time with Victory of the Daleks, that Victory of the Daleks was so badly directed, so badly lit, that the colored Daleks look terrible. But if you look at the way that the, they're done in this episode, the red Daleks are amazing in terms of their color and the shine and the everything about I, I them. They should posted that they actually had a, a a slight redesign and a more metallic look. Maybe I mean, and that's great, and that's what that yeah. is the the approach that maybe they should have taken is not let's throw away this design, let's not make the RTD Daleks prominent again, let's you know figure out the things we need to do to tweak instead of just essentially throwing them away. And then you get to, oh, God, uh, the end of the episode, right? What happens at the end of the episode? Oswin makes the Daleks forget the Doctor. And the Doctor's reaction is not, oh, my God, this is more Daleks than I have seen for the past seven years. Oh, my God, they still exist in this uh, parliament that's flying around that can do any kind of damage oh my god there might be and there have to be many more Daleks than this because there are you know different flying saucers around his reaction is instead to be happy and to run around the TARDIS saying Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who that doesn't make any sense I mean if you look at his reaction at the end of Victory of the Daleks where he is in anguish, in absolute anguish, that he has lost the war and that Daleks have escaped, his reaction here should be, I have, I don't know, it shouldn't be happy. It shouldn't be, I'm relieved that they just don't know about me. The, the reaction should be, there are a lot more Daleks out. They have rebuilt their race now. Not just a few of them, but they are back in force and I'm just going to go away and take Amy back home and then go back into the universe saying Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. It's kind of stupid. And it, it, it in no way makes them seem scary. I mean, Matt Smith's face at the end of Victory of the Daleks makes them seem scary because he's genuinely worried about them. Where he is at the end of this episode makes us think, you know, it's not that big a deal. Now that they don't know who I am, suddenly that solves the problem. It doesn't solve the problem at all. Um, and, you know, not just, uh, you know, it's not just that the doctor says, you know, the Doctor Who joke again, but it's also, you know, all of the Daleks at the end saying Doctor Who, Doctor Who, Doctor It's it, it It's so bad. It is so bad. I'm so sick of Hearing Moffat just sort of make that joke. I'm so sick of hearing that joke at all. 
I think um, this is going to be the so, theme of the series. In my, in my yeah, I know it's I the think, theme of the series. I think, which gonna, is, I think it's going to lead up to the, the Fields of Tanzalore or whatever was the final question sort of thing. I think that's going to come back to haunt us. But anyway, yeah, I don't think we've heard the end of this. And also, I know we it was have a bit of a mini reboot as well, wasn't it? In terms of this, that he wants people to come on board. He said this that he always wants Doctor Who to see him a new series, so he wanted to try and get a bit of the folklore of the Doctor on screen for those who've never seen the earlier series. Okay, but Russell T. Davis managed to do that without know. using that joke, except maybe at Christmas time, where you know it's a little bit lighthearted episode. I just think it. I just think it's. Ah, it just bugs me that that is is. The end of the episode is cringeworthy. It makes me. I, I can't even watch it more than once because as soon as it gets to every, all the Daleks saying Doctor Who, it's just horrible. Um, and then you know, so that's the A story. That's the Daleks. None of that particularly makes any sense to me. Um, but then let's talk about the B story, which is of course Amy and Rory. And. You know, I'm sorry, but it's just too late to do any of this sort of emotional hand-wringing kind of stuff. Um, you know, the divorce thing comes out of nowhere. It's resolved in the one episode. And it really, it, it's a good and valid dramatic point. You know, I mean, honestly, the, the, the central question of it, you know, I'm going to leave you in order to allow you the opportunity to go and have children with people. That's a good point. I mean, that's, that, that is something that is so good, in fact. It shouldn't just be sprung in this one episode and then apparently resolved. Um, this is what he has been doing with these characters the whole time. He's been trying to... He, he knows what the emotional points are. He knows how to make really good emotional points. But he does them and then throws them away. Does them and throws them away. Instead of just... You know, seeding these problems throughout various episodes, just giving us a little glimmer. Um, he he does it in one episode, and then we don't deal with it again. Now we don't know that we don't won't necessarily deal with some of this a little bit later, but it does seem like it's been tied up into a neat little bow, and that makes it feel less important and you know something that you can't really emotionally invest in. If you look at RTD's writing, you may not have liked the Martha arc. You might not have liked that she immediately came in and, you know, had a crush on the doctor and, you know, we were again having a season where the companion had some sort of romantic feelings for the doctor, but it was done very well because, you know, it, it was a, dropped into a lot of different episodes so that by the time you got to the final episode and she walks out on the doctor, you say to yourself, that makes absolute emotional sense. That feels totally real because I've been prepared for this moment throughout the episode, I mean, throughout the series. Whereas the stuff he does with, uh, you know, Amy and Rory is just, here is a really good emotional point. I'm going to put it in this one episode, maybe two, and then I'm going to walk away from it. I don't like that. I also don't like that we again kind of get, you know, love conquers all, don't we? I mean, technically, yes, the... The doctor gives up his little wristband that protects the the wearer from the nanocloud, and you know there is a technological reason, I guess, why she appears to have escaped that doom that she was facing. But really, I had to watch the episode twice to even find that. I mean, I honestly thought that what was originally happening was 
you know, I'm going to subtract hate and add love and that's going to make everything okay, which is certainly what the dialogue is preparing you for. And, you know, it's nice that Moffat put in an actual technological reason that she's okay, but you got to admit that the episode actually does seem to be going towards what Moffat did all last season, which is, you know, as long as you love the person that you should love, then everything is going to be okay for you, which uh, is humbug. certainly getting tired. Um, and I guess that just leaves us really with um, this new person. And, you know, again, we don't know. Are, are we actually looking at, is this going to be... Kind of a situation like Dodo, where in in one episode you you saw her relative. I mean, in most of the serial of the Masker, you saw her relative, but then at the very end you see Dodo who goes off to, you know, be the actual companion. Is it going to be a situation like that, or is it going to be, you know, somehow if you take this girl out of the Dalek, she's not going to be quite so smart, so she's not going to be quite the same character. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what's happening. Obviously, she's not going to travel around as a Dalek with the Doctor. Um, but if this is at all a template for the character, don't like her. Really strongly don't like her. And, uh, you know, I just, I just think it's going to be a massive fight between her and the Doctor over who can be the most smug, who can be the most annoyingly um, quipperific, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I, I guess I have to say, I, I, I was always kind of hoping for a character, a new companion that wasn't going to be human. And, you know, this is going to be human. I mean, I, basically, I don't see that much difference between this character and Lady Christina. I mean, okay, Lady Christina may not be as smart as this character, but it's basically the same deal, right? Competent in some area. I and thought she was a bit like Zoe myself. Oh, God. Well, that's not a recommendation anyway. I mean, I know it is to you, well, but... But, but smart, you know, smart on a, a girl from the future and smart. I don't know that we know that. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess she's she on a spaceship. Spaceship, sure. Um, but she's whatever. She's just really annoying. I mean, seriously, I've never reacted quite this way to a, a, a companion before. Instantly thinking, man, I just don't really like you because you don't seem real in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and it's certainly not that I don't like smart characters. I do like smart characters. I mean, Liz is great, and Martha's great, and. I really think that the Doctor does well with a smart character. But this is just... They're the same in, in a lot of ways. They're kind of similar. Um, but more than that, it's just that it's a retread of a character we've already seen. And frankly, I'd rather see Michelle Ryan than this character. I mean, at least Michelle Ryan had the benefit of being from a socioeconomic background that isn't normally associated with modern Doctor Who. Um I don't know. I, the, I'm not seeing anything here that really makes me think this is going to be great. But, I mean, I guess I can allow for the fact that maybe it's not this character that eventually she plays. Um, I don't know. 
Uh, there's just, also there's nothing here, man. Well, I, I take your point about the Michelle Ryan character because uh, she, I think, was a would have been a good one. I suppose her her sort of uh, way of flouting the law made that meant that she couldn't be a companion for the fact that this is a children's program. I suppose, but um, in this one, we always say that the the actors that come in when we see them the first time that it's usually the third or fourth episode they've filmed, and we all know that of course this person was supposedly first appearing in The Christmas Invasion. But this, if you say it was done on a closed set, which seems quite likely, uh, and I must give absolute um, um, great credit to those people who went to see the, the, the big viewing in the cinema, because as far as I know, none of this leaked out about her being in it. Presumably, this might have well have been her very first filming assignment on, on Doctor Who. I guess, but I don't. I don't see your point. But uh, well, in terms of quite often we see somebody as a fairly well-rounded character. What what we don't know is that that's actually their third go at it. And you see, for instance, with the Donna character, first one she did was the um, the, the 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 wasp and the uh, unicorn and the wasp. No, the first but one she did didn't... was the runaway bride. Was it? Uh, I was a smart. Yeah, sorry, as a companion now. She wasn't okay. a companion the first, one, the first one Martha did was Smith & Jones. The first one Rose did was Rose. The first right. one Jack, yeah. Jack did was, you know, one of the, I don't know if they filmed them together, but it was, you know, the Empty Child right. duology. It's, right. a, it's really only, you, I think you're getting, you know, Moffat-era centric about this. Yes, it's true that Amy and the Doctor, for whatever reason, they filmed that out of order. Um, but... I don't. I don't think that it's. Um, they they had to have filmed. Well, they they didn't have to film this, I guess, before they filmed whatever she's eventually filmed as the actual companion right. character. Uh, on but, TV, on TV shooting, uh, they usually shoot in the middle um, of the season and work towards the end. They they haven't done that historically on Doctor Who. Not, not in any kind of way that you could say is the regular pattern. The, the regular pattern, certainly during the RTD era, is whatever your first episode aired was is the one that you filmed first. Um, that's just. Well, I, I know what you. I know what you're saying, Rick. I, I understand that a lot of times, especially in U.S. production, it goes completely out of order and whatever. But. That's not really been the general pattern in Doctor Who, not only just, you know, in the modern series, but certainly in the historical series. Um, the only real time that you have new characters being filmed out of order is Davison. And that, you know, was just because the first episode got uh, changed, you know, from whatever it was going to be into Castrovalva and they didn't have the scripts ready. The intent was that they were going to film it in broadcast order, more or less. Right. Or certainly, they were going to film the first one first. But anyway, I, I don't know. I don't think that this, for me, this performance, while I admit that it is competent for what it is, it's you know it's a mixture of Ryan, you know, Michelle Ryan's character in Planet of the Dead and Tracy Ann Oberman's character in. Um, you know, Army of Ghosts. It's that sort of competent, smarmy, quick 
firing, uh, quipping thing that just, it, it would work with a different character. I just, I just, it, I, when you see the scenes where it's her saying a line and then the doctor and then her and the doctor, it doesn't come across as, wow, this is going to be a great pairing that I'm going to want to watch forever. It comes across as, wow, this is a whole lot of smug. And I just didn't like it. Uh, so there's right. not there's not that much from this episode that I take away as being valuable. And I think it's got logical holes throughout it. I mean, we haven't even talked about, seriously, why did they need to go down to the planet? Why? I mean, the doctor asked the question of the Daleks, why don't you just send some people down there and, and take it out yourself? And the, the answer is because we're scared of them. And that doesn't really fly. It doesn't fly that you would, okay, if the Daleks don't want to go down there, you've created these robo-men people. Send them down there. They don't have a concept of fear, right? You've taken that out of them. Send them down. Why do you need to go and get the doctor? And, and, and since when does a force field stop the uh, Daleks? I thought they blessed oh, yeah. anything. Yeah. Force fields are they, not. Seriously, yeah, like one group of Daleks, the crazy Daleks, right, who are not working properly, they have the ability to create a force field that the properly functioning Daleks can't overcome. Does that make any sense? No. I mean, the, the, this episode depends on you believing that the Daleks are fundamentally stupid, which is the opposite of what the episode was supposed to do. Mm. It's it's crap. Okay, well uh, let me. Uh, get, I think we need to give other people a chance now, Dark. Yeah. Uh, do enjoy your contributions. Uh, I'm going to play the next clip. If Mike's not in the room, uh, we'll go to Benjamin, please. Explain. That's what you're good at. How to get old Alex? Because he wasn't wearing one of these. Oh, ho, ho. that's clever. The nano cloud. Microorganisms that automatically process any organic matter, living or dead, into a Dalek puppet. <laughs> Anything attacks this place, it automatically becomes part of the on-site security. Living or dead? These uh, wristbands protect us. The only thing stopping us going exactly the way... Doctor, shut is. up! Living or dead? Yes, exactly. Living or... or... Dead. Oh, dear. You put someone's eye out. I'm scanning you. You're in another of these cake pods from the Alaska, right? Same ship I was on. How can you hack into everything? It should be impossible. You're in a crashed ship. Long story. There are words for total screaming genius that sounds modest and a tiny bit sexy. Doctor. You call me the Doctor. See what you did there. And if that isn't a clue for uh, Mike to come on, I'm disgusted with you, Mike. You should be on with that one. That's That's your quote. But we're going to go to Benjamin Elliott, please. Ah, yes. It's good to be back. Uh, well, I came away with this episode, this episode feeling relatively good. Um, now, last year, with the Christmas one, 
I found that run really disappointing. First, because the way it had been advertised, I was imagining a much better episode in my head. And so if there were good things in the episode, I almost couldn't bring myself to see them because it was just like, you're kidding me here. And so I've been going through about eight months or so with the last Doctor Who experience I had coming across as dreadful in my mind, which isn't very great. So I do think Asylum of the Daleks didn't have to meet a very high bar in my head. and But I was hopeful our Comcast finally got BBC America added in HD in our area. We were at a viewing party with friends. We got the whole viewing party experience. You know, the channel failing three hours before the broadcast. I wonder if we get the channel back up. You know, food, friends, uh, plush Dalek and live-action Dalek yelling at each other. All the <laughs> stuff for a party. Uh, and for the most part, I had a lot of fun with this episode. I There are a number of things that I liked a whole lot with it. Um... I really liked what they did with how they could turn humans into Dalek agents. I wasn't expecting to like that. My thought was, you already have Robo-Men. If you couldn't turn those guys into Dalek... What we got there was really uh, fun and creepy. And I did like the idea the planet could turn you into a Dalek. Especially could turn you into a Dalek even if you were dead. That thought hadn't occurred to me. That was creepy. And I suppose the Moffat era, with the skulls in Wedding of River Song, we've seen the concept of the dead being used as weaponry. But, uh... (laughs) It just... (laughs) I I found... Well, I'm enjoying it. Uh, Also... It was interesting because before the episode, I had mentioned some of the hopes I had for the episode with the other people in the room, and I mentioned some of the stuff that they did before Doctor Who came back, like a Scream of the Shalka, and I even went into uh, like real time. And when this episode aired, and I saw Jenna Louise Coleman, I realized it wasn't the girl who was Cal from the earlier episode, but was in fact the one who was supposed to join later. I had a creepy thought. If you remember... A few years ago, Big Finish and BBC I, the website, worked together on a Doctor Who story called Real Time. Six Doctor, Evelyn Smythe, Cybermen. And there was a cyber controller. And at the end of the story, the cyber controller turns out to be a future version of Evelyn Smythe. And it just creeped me out. And my thoughts, seeing her in this scenario where there's no way she could have had food for a year. I'm thinking she's dead or she's somehow part Dalek. I didn't imagine it being a full Dalek, but just the idea that we were seeing the end of a companion before we'd seen the beginning. I was wondering, were they actually going to go with this? Were they actually going to go with this? And we don't really know yet, but it just felt like felt like they, they were taking that concept from that online story that very few people remember, and they're tossing it at the main audience. And they've hidden it inside a Dalek story. So people tune in for one thing, and they get this other completely different thing. And I must admit, I found the divorce story more palatable than I expected, because I was very sympathetic with the reasoning. 
and I did ha- I did wind up accepting at the end, you know, Amy's the sort of person who would be that impulsive and that crazy to not talk to Rory about the whole issue of, like, she finds out she can't have kids, she kicks Rory out of the house. Uh, you hope that you would have an actual discussion about whether you'd be willing to adopt or anything like that. But she is a very impulsive character. So that that was better than I was expecting. I was, I was expecting it to be a completely stupid reason and done stupidly. I do hope that it's not over, that Rory isn't just completely okay and that there are uh, repercussions. And I was disappointed with the Dalek plot. It did sound like they just figured, okay, we're having trouble, toss a doctor at it and see what happens. And the Daleks can think better than that. And certainly a lot of uh, Darf's issue with the story was with the intelligence of the Daleks. And yeah, (laughs) this is not one for the record books for smart Daleks. This is up there with the chase on the intelligence level of the Daleks. How about resurrection? Hmm? How about resurrection of? Resurrection of the Daleks? Yeah. Well... At least they turned to help to the person who created them, the person who might know their mechanics. That's a little better than turning to their greatest enemy. Like, at least Davros ought to know how they work. You know? That's uh, true. That's like, true. Yeah, I, I would. If I was a Dalek, I would look up Davros before the Doctor any day of the week. That's Assuming true. that they're both available. But you know. I think the story, I think the Dalek part was a bit disappointing. In some ways, you could have had a different villain, a less known villain, and it might have been a bit better, because then they could have had their own mythology, and then it could have made... I I think this one did suffer a bit, because it didn't need to be a Dalek story. And I know it used the Dalek mythology... But I think this one could have worked just as well if it had been the Trods. The Trods, oh, for those who get... forget, is the comic strip alternate for the Daleks for the 1960s. <laughs> uh, unless they wanted to make this complete, that you know, that's uh, another race that doesn't know that the dogs, the Doctor is still alive because they've been, what their memories have supposedly now been wiped. Yeah, like emotionally. The parts I liked were much better than I was expecting, and I was having such a better time that I had with the Christmas episode that I was much more forgiving this time, and I really had a had a good time. Creepy fear for the future of the Doctor's companion notwithstanding. And uh, since the plot, I did feel the plot was uneven. I would only give it um, a three eye stalks out of five. Yes, we haven't turned any ratings up to now, uh, although I think Darth gave was, uh, if it was lower than zero, he might have been giving it lower than zero, but fine. Is, is that the end of your comments, Benjamin? Uh, the end of my comments in the episode, yeah. Okay. Is there anything you want to just mention then before I go to the next clip? Uh, well, just if you happen to live in the D.C. area and you get WETA 26 and you didn't know, they have a U.K. sub-channel 
26.2 over the air. It's on the cable systems. It's not on the satellite systems. It's 24 hours a day of British programming, mostly the stuff that you can buy from the syndicators, the PBS stations. And they air, they're currently running Doctor Who, Eccleston through early Matt Smith, uncut as part of their lineup. They're doing a number of interesting things. They actually tried to battle the Doctor Who premiere with a marathon by Claudius. And if you're in the area, it's a channel that people don't know about yet, but it's worth looking up. Okay. Perry, did you just want to mention something addition to that? What's that? Oh, this channel that um, anyone's talking about. Yeah, it's on WETA UK, and it's I get I live in the DC area, so um, it's, it's channel 474 on Verizon FiOS, and they they show Red Dwarf as well, and and a lot of sitcoms out of out of England. Two sixty five on Comcast in our in DC and Baltimore yeah. areas. Okay. Right, guys, thanks very much. We're, we're going to go to Rick Wall after another clip. I'm offering. What do I call you? Uh, uh, Rory. Lovely name, Rory. First boy I ever fancied was called Rory. Okay. Actually, she was called Nina. I was going through a phase. Just flirting to keep you cheerful? What's going to happen to me? And don't why. Managing. You're being rewritten. So what happens? I get one of those... Things sticking out in my head. Physical changes come later. Lucky boy. If it's a straight choice, I prefer Nina. Loving this. The nose and the chin. You two could fit. There's a door behind you. In there, quickly. Okay. You're safe for now. Pop your shirt off quick as you like. Why? Does there have to be a reason? Oh, Wink, can you hear me? Hello, the chin. I have visual on you. Why don't I have a visual on you? Why can't I ever see you? Limited power, bad hair, take your pick. There's a door to your left, open it. I put your little friend on my face, I can get you to him. Rory, you found Rory? I call him Nina. It's a personal thing. Hush now. How many darlings directly ahead of me right now? Ten? Twenty? Hard to say. Come on. Take my hand. Run! Run! Okay, uh, let's go to Rick Wall and we'll go to Jeff after, please. Rick Wall. Okay. Um, it wasn't a god-awful episode. I was disappointed in it. I found it very predictable. But all in all, did it entertain me? If I put my mind in park and just watch it for sheer entertainment, yes. Uh, but I found it too predictable, uh, too many plot holes, too many questions. Uh, most of them have been asked already, like, why did they need the doctor? Why didn't they just send the uh, uh, new robo-men or women in to do it? And I've been thinking maybe, just maybe, they were hoping that he'd get killed. Just a thought I had while we were, while we were talking. Anyway, uh, I, 
like I said, I found it very predictable. I'm sitting there as as they're showing Oz what was her name, uh, and she doesn't leave this one room or one set. And she's supposed to be trapped underground. I mean, that, that there was an explanation for that. The spaceship was supposed to be buried. Right, but yet we saw the spaceship and we saw a uh, um, trap door. Right, open and a ladder sticking out of it. So, I was putting two and two together. I'm going, uh, okay. But Either t- let me just interrupt there because the the guy on that did say that there were. She said that the ship broke up. Uh, and different things, and he also told them that the, that wasn't the only escape pod. So I assume that she was in a different escape pod. Man. Until yeah. we saw the ladder and it was explained. But I mean, she didn't have to have been in that same one with him because there was only twelve in that, and this was a passenger ship, our pleasure ship that she'd been on. So I just assumed that she was in another pod somewhere else, and that was why she couldn't get out of the room. And also, she'd blocked the door, not. Not because she wanted to get out, but so the Daleks couldn't get in. Yeah, but that was kind of contrived. If she was underground, how could the Daleks get to her underground? Um, That was one one big plot hole. Uh, The other plot hole to me, as as I said before, was since when does a um, um, Dalek care about even a force field? Big deal. Um, You know, and and there were how many ships around the planet? I mean, come on. How, How much damage could a force field take? If every ship started to open fire on it, you mean that the friggin' thing would hold? Give me a break. Um, well, that was one plot hole I didn't think of. Is how could the ships crash land on a planet that had a force field around it? You think they would have bounced off? That, that too, yeah. I never thought of it that way too, but you know, they could have just put it up while the... Uh, while the ships were around, but it, yeah, if it's a, per, a permanent thing, yeah, how the hell did a ship crash into Skaro? And uh, again, um, uh, there were two episodes where the doctor states that Skaro is gone. Destroyed. Let me, jump, let me jump in there and ask another question. If there is a force field around this planet permanently, how did the good Daleks get the bad Daleks onto the planet. Yeah. And not only that, but who the hell is putting chains over these Daleks? Why do these Daleks have big chains around them? Where does that come from? How can a Dalek manipulate a chain? And even so, if it is a Dalek manipulating the chain, where that means that they are down there with the Daleks that they're supposed to be scared of. I yeah, just they said they were no prisoners. Couldn't they make a machine that makes the chains go over the Daleks? Okay, if they, they can make a mach- make a machine that puts the chains over the Daleks, why you'd use old-fashioned chains, God knows. Mm. But let's say that you did that, then that means that you have the capability to make a machine that can find the thing which will turn off the, sh- the shield. 
I do have a little idea here. Uh, it doesn't do. It doesn't fix everything, but this actually might help a little. Um, we don't know how long they actually locked the Daleks away here. And initially, one, especially when you hear the description of like the separate areas for Daleks, and you have the special ward for Daleks involved in certain wars where they went up against the Doctor. My thought was Dalek version of a Veterans Administration hospital. And that it's not certain that the Daleks were always prisoners there. They might just have been sent there, like, okay, guys, you fought enough, go over here. And then maybe something happened later on, and they got scared. And then all you need to be a Dalek who stayed behind to put up the force field. And then perhaps the Daleks outside the bubble um, lost the knowledge. After all, there was this big time war. They did get involved in this battle with the Time Lords that wore them down to nothing. They did have to create a whole bunch of new Daleks from a progenitor who might not have had the details. So it's possible the Daleks on the outside don't know how their predecessors got the Daleks into the asylum before. And that's not really um, 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 uh, a, ma- a major concern. Okay, like no, what said. <laughs> If they wanted to destroy the thing, the power source of the of the force field is finite. They had what a couple of hundred ships, a thousand ships around. I mean, it's not going to hold if every ship fires. Mm. Yeah, and the other point. Logic. Yeah, and but the other point is Benjamin that. Okay, so you've got these Daleks who are clearly from pre-Time War encounters with the Doctor. So what did the Doctor accomplish during the Time War? Why does he tell Rose, I destroyed all of the Daleks? I destroyed all of the Daleks, except for these ones that are on the Dalek Asylum, that are so many and so diverse that we don't even know how many are there. So I've destroyed all the Daleks except for the thousands and thousands that exist on the Asylum of the Daleks. Well, if he had locked it away beforehand, he might not have known about it. And if the if those Daleks couldn't get out, he does know about it. He could be tricked. But he does know about it because the Dalek Prime Minister, again stupid, says, "Do you know what the Asylum of the Daleks is?" And the Doctor immediately answers, "Yes, I know exactly what it is." So he knows it. So why wouldn't it be? You know, tucked away. Oh, he, he didn't actually say that. He said he thought he knew what it was or that it might exist, but he didn't say it, definitely that it existed. No, he says legend says that it exists. So therefore, it was something to investigate. If his plan during the time war to end the time war was to time lock away the Gallifreyans and the Daleks, he should have investigated every possible location of Daleks. And and to leave this many Daleks untouched makes zero sense. Well, as I was saying, you know, where the hell did Skara come from if it's been totally destroyed? Exactly. Well. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, um, as for the character, I don't know, I just... I wouldn't mind seeing her again. Uh, could I take her as a as a as a companion? I don't know. It depends on how they write her. Uh, 
And what she, if she's a human, I don't, you know, or a Dalek, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm willing to keep an open mind on that. But like I said, this episode and only this episode to go on, eh. Uh, I mean, you couldn't come up with anything better than the uh, uh, the resurrection of the Daleks, and basically, this is what it was to me. Hello, I lost everybody. Yeah, no, no. I was just wondering to <laughs> see if you were finished. Yeah, basically. Okay, uh, let me have a look and see uh, where where we are with. I think we've still got Jeff and Perry, Ian and myself, and Mike does not seem to be yet on audio, as you know. And Willis Girl, I don't know whether you're coming on audio. Uh, just for those people who are in the room as guests, because of some disruption we had in the past, we've uh, left those uh, not in chat. But uh, you're most welcome to stay and listen as you are now. Okay, here's another clip, and then we'll go to um, Jeff. She remembers me. Same old Amy. Do you know how you make someone into a Dalek? Subtract love, add anger. Doesn't she seem a bit too angry to you? Well, somebody's never been to Scotland. What about you, though, Oswin? How come you're okay? Why hasn't the nano cloud converted you? I mentioned the genius thing, yeah? Shielded in here. Mm. Clever of you. Now, you know what really gets me about you, Oswin? The souffle is. Where do you get the milk? Doctor. I've been looking you up. You're all over the database. Why did the Daleks call you the Predator? I'm not a Predator. Just a man with a plan. You've got a plan. We're all ears. There's a nose joke going if someone wants to pick that one off. In no particular order, we need to neutralize all the Daleks in this asylum, rescue Oswin from the wreckage, escape from this planet, and fix Amy and Roy's marriage. How fast can you drop the force field? I can do it from here. As soon as you come and get me. No, just drop the force field and come to us. There's enough power in that teleport for one go. Why would you wait for me? Why wouldn't I? No idea. Never met you. Sending you a map so you can come get me. Okay, as soon as the force field is down, the Daleks will attack. If it gets too explodey, won't in here. You go without me, okay? And leave you to die? Oh, don't worry about me. You're all beaming up to a Dalek ship to get exterminated. Fair point. Love this plan. Uh, what about Amy? <laughs> Keep her remembering. Keep her focused. That'll hold back the conversion. What do I do? You heard what she said. They're subtracting love. Don't let them. Okay. Sorry for the long wait, guys. Uh, Jeff, and then we'll go to Perry after another clip. Well, um, first off, let me just say that I, I really enjoyed the episode a lot. Um my wife and I watch the show together, and she usually watches it once. I will typically watch it twice when there's a new episode. Uh, BBC America replayed the episode about three hours after the the first uh, airing. We both watched the repeat. We both enjoyed it a lot. So that has to say a lot, I think, for the... Um, the typical viewer that's not an ardent fan of the show, it, I, you know, my wife really liked it, and she she is not an ardent fan, but she she 
wanted to watch it again. She was that thrilled with the story. So uh, just as a pure experience, we both really, really enjoyed the this, this story. Um, a lot's been made about Scarrow being in this story. And one of the thoughts that I had about this is that maybe, you know, how Gallifrey came back for a short time in the end of time. Well, maybe Scarrow also came back. Well, the doctor was a little bit busy at the time that uh, Gallifrey came back. Maybe Scarrow escaped the time lock and it's back in its uh, original form and back where it should be. So that's my thought on that. Um, I thought... Uh, the way that the Doctor, Amy and Rory, especially the Doctor, was captured uh, by the Daleks was a little too easy. Uh, that that was my biggest sticking point with the episode. They, they were just captured just way too easily. Uh, I thought it would have been better if maybe the three of them were traveling together in the TARDIS and they just landed on this planet and then the story evolved from that. Um, Could, then you sorry, would have, can we not assume, Jeff, that the Doctor at that time didn't know there were any Daleks left to actually trap him? So he wasn't on guard, as it were. Well, he knew that there were Dal- Dal- Daleks around because uh, they were in victory of the Daleks and they'd put him in the Pandorica and he was talking to one in the Wedding right, of River yeah, song. Yeah. So yeah, he, he knew that right. they were still around. But, uh, yeah, I just think that he was captured way too easily. Uh, he, he's clever. Uh, as it's put in chat here, he may not be the smartest person, but uh, he's very clever. And I don't think he would let himself be captured like he was. It was just way too easy. I, I know he caught on right before they took him, but again, I just thought it was just too easy. Why would he go to Scarrow and uh, talk to this woman? I, I just thought he would have come up with a better way to, to handle that situation. Maybe materialize the TARDIS around the woman or something like that. Um, the, the other big plot point that I had a problem with was the whole idea of well, the, the force field uh, is controlled from on the planet itself. It's not controlled from outside. Well, I, I think they could have handled that uh, plot point much better than they did. Uh, they, they could have come up with this idea that, yeah, it's really supposed to be controlled from outside of the planet, but somehow they lost control of it. And they could have used uh, this Oswald character uh, as she took control of the force field. I mean, she was taking control of everything else on the planet, apparently. So why not the force field? And she took the control away from outside of the planet. Uh, I I just thought that would have been a much better way of handling that. And uh, I wish they would have thought of that. I mean, it would have made a lot more sense to me. Um, But other than that, I thought it was a... A really good episode. I, I liked how they brought in uh, um, the the new character. Uh, we don't know if she's going to play the same character as the companion or not, but uh, it was just very cleverly done, and I, I, I give kudos to the 
production staff and keeping wraps on that because it really wasn't uh, telegraphed in any way, I thought. It uh, wasn't leaked in, in any major way. Um, one thing that hasn't been brought up, at least I haven't heard anything from uh, the collective yet in the broadcast, is that uh, the way that they handled Amy and Rory at the end, uh, the doctor drops them off, and they go into okay. their house, and I don't want to say any, too much about future episodes, but they're going to be in future episodes, so are we going to get this constant thing where the doctor takes them home at the end of the episode and suddenly they're back in the story the next week? I hope that's not the case all the way through these final episodes. Uh, that would be a poor way of handling it, in my opinion. But... Uh, Again, I, I really enjoyed the episode. My wife really enjoyed the episode, and we're looking forward to next week. Okay, thank you. And, uh, yes, thank you, Ian, for reminding me that I'd missed Ken's name out on that list. Uh, so I'll play another clip. We'll go to Perry G, uh, uh, but we won't forget you, Ken. Um, Ian himself has still got to go. So um, let's go to the next clip. Okay, look at me. I'm going to be logical. Cold and logical, okay? For both of our sakes, for both of us. I'm going to take this off my wrist and put it on yours. Why? Then I'll just start converting you. That's not better. Yeah, but it will buy us time because it will take longer with me. Sorry, what? It subtracts love, that's what she said. What's that got to do with it? What does that even mean? It's just arithmetic. It will take longer with me because we both know, we've both always known that... Amy, basic fact of our relationship is that I love you more than you love me, which today is good news because it might just save both of our lives. Don't you dare say that to me. Don't you ever dare. Amy, you kicked me out. You want kids. You have always wanted kids ever since you were a kid. And I can't have this. I know. Whatever they did to me at Demon's Run, I can't ever give you children. I didn't kick you out. I gave you up. I, I don't... Don't you dare talk to me about waiting outside a box because that is nothing, Rory, nothing compared to giving you up. Just give me your arm. Just give me your arm. Touch me. Now, it might have come too late, Darth, but at least there you've got her acting. You've, uh, you've got to give her that. I thought that was the first... One of the few times when I, I felt that she acted in a very strong way. But there you go. Uh, that's just me. Uh, Perry G. <laughs> Sorry for again a long way. Oh, that's that's okay. I mean, I think I've, I said a lot of what I had to say, I guess, in, in comments when Darth was talking. But, um, but I did enjoy watching the episode, even though there were a lot of things that, that didn't make sense if you thought too much about them. So I guess it was sort of... Emotionally, you know, I, en I enjoyed it. Um, like, for you know, I never quite understood why they needed the doctor and, and Amy and Rory. Like, I, like as was said, you know, why did they have to send them down to the planet? And if they could send people down to the planet, why couldn't they send a missile down to the planet, you know, through the shield? Um, so I, I didn't understand um, that aspect of it and the whole... I Perry, yeah. I, I think I think there was a line of dialogue where uh, yeah. they said that they could not 
use right. weapons against the shield, so they it just well, couldn't. Okay. It just wouldn't work. Okay. Yeah. And the other line of dialogue that was there was that <clears throat> it wasn't that they were scared of the Daleks in the asylum. It's they 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 thought they were too beautiful to to destroy them. That it would be offensive to them. You know, which you know doesn't because I think Darth earlier was talking about how they were all scared to do it. And I think the idea was that it would be offensive to them to destroy them. Um, e- either way, it didn't really make a lot yeah, of I think sense. Both things were said because the doctor yeah. did say that. I know you're scared, so yeah. it was ambiguous. Certainly, that which which was the reason. I thought visually there were a lot of interesting things that I enjoyed about the episode. I enjoyed um, the the Parliament of the Daleks uh, visually. You know, when they're all at the same time saying, you know, save the Daleks, and you see the whole room lighting up, all the little. You know, the little lights on their heads are all lighting up in sync, you know, saying, save the Dalek, save the Dalek. And um, so I enjoyed that part. Um, but, yeah, I never quite understood why, like I said, why they were sending the doctor down and why, you know, certain things happened. I did. I was surprised at the introduction of the actress, uh, General Louise Coleman. I was pleasantly surprised to see her. I thought, I enjoyed I enjoyed her character. I don't know, like as Darth said and other people said, whether or not, you know, she would uh, make a a good companion. If assuming this is the same character, that will be the companion. Although the little sort of wink at the end, almost a glance at the at the camera at the end, where she says, "Remember me," it kind of gives you the idea that uh, she'll come back somehow or other. It was breaking the fourth wall a bit. That wasn't it. It was a little bit, yeah. I don't know how that will happen. One thing that occurred to me as I've been listening here as we're talking, at the end of the episode, you know, the doctor uses the teleporter to get them back onto the Parliament ship, and then then somehow, miraculously, the TARDIS is there. You know, when they acquired them, they didn't acquire the TARDIS, as far as I remember. I don't remember seeing the TARDIS. The the TARDIS was there in the first part, yeah. When they were in the Parliament, it was there. Uh, when I was watching it, it you know, both times I thought to myself, well, "Where'd the TARDIS come from?" Yeah, it was it was there in the first scene, but it didn't tell you how they captured yeah. it. But it was there, right? Right. And the other thing I couldn't quite understand, uh, and I didn't quite like, were the you know the the Dalek eye stalks sticking out of the the converted people's heads and the and the gun sticking out of her hand, things like that. I, I didn't I didn't like that at all. Um, I mean, they've the Daleks have converted people in other ways before, and they didn't have to make them look like Daleks uh, to do that. So I didn't, I didn't really like that at all. Um, I think that was one of Moffat's tricks, so that the kids in the playground could be running around. Well, yeah, with a bit costume of, they'll be able to sell, right? No, no, no. In fact, in one thought. sense, you could argue that it wasn't because. You don't have to have a full kit to pretend to be a Dalek. Now all you need is a pencil stuck to your forehead. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be a bad thing. Um, let's see, other aspects of the story. I don't know, the whole Amy Rory thing. I was kind of getting excited that they would be sort of, you know, on the on the outs, you know, <laughs> be sort of split up over the thing. Um, and now, you know, at the end of the episode, they're sort of back together again. It's I don't know. I wasn't really rooting for that. 
Well, um, can I urge you again to up there? Yeah. I think if you listen, what what Amy uh, when the Rawley says, uh, you know, she basically says we'll be um, together to the end now. But she was thinking they only have four minutes to live. I think at that point. Oh yeah, well she said right, but the implication mm. was there was more to it than that. Yeah. Right. Like till the end of till the end of our lives or something. How yeah. how long can we wait? And she said till the end of our lives. Yeah, the implication is the end of our life. Is the now. end of our lives it's, might be now or it might be, you know, years from now. Right. But when when she's there's sort of a double meaning I think there. Mm. Um but yeah, so I didn't I didn't quite get that. And the whole subtracting love thing that that didn't make any sense to me at all. Um but Overall, like I said, I did enjoy the episode. I enjoyed the, a few of the surprises that were in there and some of the banter between Oswin and Rory and Oswin and the Doctor. I think I enjoyed that. Uh, even, But I don't know if I could stand a whole you know, episode of that or a whole series full of that. Um, and let's see what else was I thinking. I think, but I, I do think the Daleks are have been... Are, are kind of um, weird now. It's <laughs> kind of perverted from from what they used to be, and then not scary, like as Darth was saying. I don't. I think it's a lot scarier when the Daleks would just, you know, plow through everything, saying, you know, we're the supreme race, we're the supreme warriors, we can do anything, and just sort of um, pulling you over, you know, <laughs> killing everyone. I I don't know. So these Daleks that are all afraid of things or have you know, emotions and, and personality and things like that. I, I haven't really enjoyed that. And I don't know what the explanation for it would be unless it goes all the way back to the thing with, with Rose. Um, but I don't think it goes that far back. Uh, I don't think that's the explanation. But, well, so um, so, so your, your rating was that you while you were watching it, you enjoyed it. You're perhaps a bit more yeah. circumspect now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you pull apart the logic of it, and that's what I think uh, I really enjoy Darth's analysis of these episodes because he's very logical about it, whereas when I'm watching it, I just sort of enjoy the ride and then you think about it afterwards and you think, well, that didn't really make sense. Oh, yeah, why'd the Dalek do this? Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> things like that. But um, so overall, I thought it was a, it was an enjoyable episode, but I think... Uh, fitting it in with a lot of the, the the continuity is difficult, and and uh, I I don't know if I'm I don't know if I like everything that happened in it. Of course, I, I don't think the Daleks on the planet were were very interesting. I, I was hoping to see more of the old style Daleks, the the heavy weapons Dalek, and things like that. Although you did see them, they didn't do anything. Um, and, yeah, and, yeah, they were more of a, a lot of things that sit well with me now that I think about it. Yeah, they were a backdrop, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And well, and the part about the Daleks now forgetting about the Doctor, I think, in one sense, could be a good thing, um, because now when he encounters them, they won't know who he is, and you know, and it won't. And I, I don't know this theme of that, that they've had, where that everybody knows who the Doctor is and why, you know, and 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 is always going after him or knows why he's there or, or whatever. I think that part. Um, will be less prominent, especially when in terms of the Daleks. And and as I was saying earlier, I think this idea of, you know, Doctor Who 
you know, is going to is going to keep going. This question is going to just keep getting worse as the series goes on. So maybe eventually we will see, like I said, the fields of Tanzalore and all that stuff that they talked about in the last series with the silence. You know, where where everybody has forgotten about the Doctor, maybe at the, at some point. So that becomes like the big final question. You know, who's this Doctor, and why is he so important? Um, so we'll see. Okay. But I am, I am looking forward to the rest of the series, though. Of course, it's Doctor Who. It's fun, and uh, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll go to Ken after this next clip. What did you do? Hang on, I think I found the door thingy. No, tell me what you did. The Daleks, they have a hive mind. Well, they don't, but they have a sort of telepathic web. The path web, yes. I hacked into it, did a master delete on all the information connected with the Doctor. But you made them forget me. I've tried hacking into the path web, even I couldn't do it. Come and meet the girl who can. Hey! You are right outside, come on in. Osmond, we have a problem. Rescue me, Chimboy, and show me the stars. Does it look real to you? Does what look real? Where you are right now. It's a dream, Oswin. Where am I? Where am I? Because you are a Dalek. I am not a Dalek. I am not a Dalek. I'm human. You were human when you crashed here. It was you who climbed out of the pot. That was your ladder. Made it a full conversion. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oswin, I am so sorry. Ken, sorry you've had to hold the phone, but you did go first last week, so apologies. That's all right. All right. My feeling on this. Definitely thumbs up on this episode. Very positive. It's great Doctor Who. It was great entertainment. Um, Yes, I could grouse about that the Dalek paradigm question is unresolved. Why now do we have a parliament of Daleks when this did not exist. Well, unfortunately, this happens in Doctor Who a lot. Things are just changed piecemeal. Sometimes there's no explanation. Russell T. Davies had the wonderful attitude of actually explaining a lot of things. He he didn't leave uh, any circle unturned. But as an episode that I would sit down with a casual viewer and say, what's the new um, Doctor Who like? What's the 11th Doctor? Without any of the timey-wimey trappings, without convolutions, this is a hip-deep episode in emotion, excitement, 
action, and spectacle. It's really well directed by Nick Huron. This has a really movie theater sheen to it, and it has a lot of nice homages to films. Um, whether or not Scaro is totally wiped out, trapped in the uh, causal nexus of the time war, or wiped out by the Seventh Doctor, and that's going to be the showrunner's choice, which is not always great, but, you know, it was a total burnt-out husk. I, I had that same feeling as a comic book fan when they first said that the Silver Server's planet was totally munched and eaten away by Galactus. And then years later, it showed the planet still existing, but in bad shape. That's continuity. It's, it's an unfortunate thing, but I'm not going to pull my hair out over it. Um, I love the human Dalek constructs. That was a really nice feel. It felt like classic Doctor Who to me, but it had all the emotion of the new Who. I have loved um, Amy as, a, as her, her acting. I think has been great for the character, but it's been a character that's been a cipher sometimes. Yes, it's a little too little too late perhaps, but the Amy Roy relationship, he gave us a great slice of it here, and it really choked me up. Their their scenes um, were marvelous together. When she's saying why they're not together, her her loss of being able to have a child, how devastated she is that she never did have River Song to um, raise as her own baby. This is this is ripped her to shreds, and that sacrifice that she's making for herself to let to let Rory go um, shows how much she really does love him. It would have been nice had we seen this in earlier episodes, so mm-hmm. it didn't come as a shock, not yeah. just a little afterthought in the uh, last episode of Pond's Life. But I'm thankful for the emotion that was given, and it was really good. Big surprise was the introduction of uh, General Louise Coleman uh, into the mix as this character, Oswin. You know, whether or not this is going to be the companion or not, that's a big open question. But I thought she was a blast. Uh, Yes, she was feisty. She said a lot of uh, very off-the-cuff comments, but it's someone under such stress, living in a a slice of hell for over a year, um, trying to buoy themselves up. That's that's how I took it. The attitude of why the Daleks needed the Doctor to uh, to use him as their uh, their whipping boy. Why would they use the doctor? Why are they afraid of who's below? Well, rack it up to warp Dalek morality, mixed with a nice chance of we have the entity who is our worst enemy. He's defeated us so many times. Let him do our dirty work, and we're going to take care of him. Because under their sick minds, they're going to take care of the force fields. We're going to send the missiles down to destroy the doctor. Oh, and by the way, 
the planet below will be taken care of too. So we get uh, two birds at one stone. That's how I viewed it. It, you know, it didn't rip me to shreds. But the overall feeling of the episode, the tension of it, I, I liked also the little homages to uh, film history that they put in. The tattoo of love and hate on uh, Amy's hands, the little homage to Night of the Hunter. When they crash land on the uh, asylum planet, the way the little scope um, rises uh, out of the snow <laughs> that really feels derivative of Empire oh, well. Strikes Back to me. <laughs> And when Rory is running across the room, dodging Dalek blasts and sliding under the door, I'm seeing Bruce Raiders. Willis and Die Hard. Oh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark type of stuff. Yeah, that too, that too. So um, as for the Daleks being terrifying and frightening, well, they were pretty impressive in their ships and a whole lot of them in the... Uh, um, Parliament ship. I, I did like the Prime Minister. It's nice to see tentacled HP uh, Lovecraftian monstrosities gibbering and giving orders. But the Daleks on the planet, the the use of shadows and the subtleties of it all, uh, they're pretty spooky. You're, you're going to be scaring some kids with these uh, things. And I, I think they... Uh, held their own for that episode. But by the time we got to the end, I did not see that coming. I, I usually can telegraph things pretty good. And by the time we got to the end, I was choking up. It did it for me. Um, I got my money's worth. It was really, really good who is it would it be in my top ten? No. But is it one of the best of the Moffat years? I'd say yes. I'd say yes. No problem with that. Um, continuity, yeah, I could uh, be very nitpicky and uh, rip different things. But on an emotional level, Matt Smith's acting, bit of a darker feel going into it now that we're getting to the 50th anniversary. Uh, more melancholy setting in. Very nice. Oh, and the credit sequence. I like the brightening up of the colors. I like the font. Agree with uh, Darth on that. Much easier to read, more punchy. I really liked it. And not to forget Murray Gold's music. Really stellar job for this. But um, very pleased. Looking forward to what happens. I looking forward to the new companion again. The pawns have had their their time. I'm. We'll be sorry to see the actors go, but we've had enough time with the characters. Mm. But big, big thumbs up for uh, Darville's acting in this. Rory Williams, as a character, has been the companion treasure of the Mafia years. And that's what I have to say. Thank you very much indeed, Ken. That's great. Uh, well, I've got uh, one more clip from this episode. Uh, the clip after that will be uh, the sort of teaser for the, the next week. So I'll just play this uh, one clip and then we'll go to Ian. How long can we wait? The rest of our life. Agreed. 
Defend! Defend! Explain, Dalek Supreme! You know, you guys should really have seen this coming. The thing about me and teleport, I've got a really good aim. Pinpoint accurate, in fact. Or, to put it another way... Suckers! Identify yourself! Identify! Identify! It's me. You know me. The Doctor. The oncoming storm. The Predator. Titles are not meaningful in this context. Doctor Who? Doctor Who? Doctor Who? That was me. Oh, you did it to them all. You beauty. Doctor Who? Fellas, you're never going to stop asking. Ian, if you're still awake, we're off. You're on. All right. Um, okay, I'm going to start with the opening credits. It basically looks like somebody had a go at it with Instagram. I've seen that filter before. Um, looked ridiculous. Uh, the lettering for, the new, for, for Doctor Who looks... It looks like they had, uh, you know, um, it's... You know the the outside of a theater with all the little bulbs. You know, look dumb. Um, they only did that on one, didn't they? They didn't do it, that. Wasn't all. It was just only one that came up with those. It's a Doctor Who. Where it's a Doctor Who. You know. Ah, yeah, it's the one. But yeah, they, they just put this weird filter over it. And it's like, okay, that's just ridiculous. Although I will say that the, the font is better at the end. Makes it really, really clear to see that. Um, you know, of, of of the especially the cast, you can read it really nicely, um, nice big and and as it should be. Uh, I really I I enjoyed it the first time out, but then I started thinking about it, and then I watched it again. And when I you know kind of had to try and keep myself awake watching it again, it's you know when I started thinking about it, things started kind of irritating me. Again, you know, this didn't make the Daleks anything. It made them worse. Um, they didn't do anything. They just sat there. I hate, hate, hate when TV shows, science fiction or fantasy or whatever, use an Earth-based uh, term to uh, to name something. You know, oh, it's the Parliament of the Daleks and it's the, the Prime Minister of the... Sorry, but they wouldn't use... A name like that. I'm sorry. It's just like, why can't you just come up with a name for it? You know, come up with you know the the, the you know the, the you know, I don't know. Come up with a different name. You don't have to call it that. Um, yeah, the Daleks did nothing. You know, especially like people have said before. You know, coming last, I can just basically put another people's point very easily. Um, I agree. A spaceship can make it through the shield, but they can't blast the hell out of the planet. With X amount of ships, uh, they can't send down a Dalek task force to wipe them all out. And really, the Daleks did nothing down. I mean, okay, you send three unarmed people down there in this beam, and you think they're going to be able to get there and, and, and shut down the ship, the the the, the force the force field? Yeah, you can because all these Daleks that are in this asylum are sitting around. They're doing nothing. They're you know basically dead. Um, so then, why is anybody afraid? Because they're not doing anything. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, we had been told that you would see every Dalek that there's ever been in this episode. 
no, you didn't because there was very, very low light. Everything was covered in an inch thick of dust, and you couldn't tell one from the other, apart from the special weapons Dalek, which said there did nothing. I don't mind that there was a whole bunch of Daleks there covered in dust and whatever, but don't say that you're going to see something when quite clearly, you know, unless you pause it throughout and go, well, yeah, you can kind of make out that that one might be from this episode. It, it really is a really silly uh, advertising point, you know, to, to say this is what you're going to see because you're not. Um, was really excited about the fact that DM Walling came over to watch the episode with us, and uh, you know, just you know, moments into the episode, and like, hey, isn't that the Duke girl? <laughs> yes, it's generally coming. And at the end, of course, we waited to the end just in case we were wrong, you know. Um, but no, it was it was definitely her, and that was kind of neat. And I, I did kind of like the character. Um, pulled a little too quick for me, and I hope her the the the, the companion's not going to talk that quick. Because that could be a problem. Um, but really, uh, I, I, I did try. I did try and, you know, hook for Stephen Moffat this time. But um, actually, he made a comment on Twitter. I'm, I'm over the Daleks and I'm on to the next episode. And I just wanted to respond. Yeah, I'm over the Daleks as well. Uh, I cringed at the end of last season where uh, we heard Doctor Who... Doctor Who, and here we go again. We're doing it again, and over and over and over again, and it's just ridiculous. It's so self-referential that it's just stupid. Um, that you know, it ruined the episode for me. You know, I probably could have been fairly happy with the episode as a whole as a piece of entertainment until that point, because it's it's really a ridiculous thing to do. Uh, and I don't know why. I mean, I understand he's got the the big question coming up, but have him do it once. Be subtle about it. it it's, there's no need for this, you know, constant constant repetition. And then um, the doctor saying it in the TARDIS. And what was with that like uh, mini hump of the console at the end? That was kind of um, embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, 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 you know, I tried. I really did. Um, and I tried watching it again because it was, it was, it, we we had Callum wandering around, so my I was a bit distracted, so we sat down after the boy was in bed and, and decided to watch it. And, and yeah, it just, oh, and, and they're, they're, they're tending to be, from what I can see, uh, a, a love him or hate him kind of thing, but I hated the, um, Dalek puppets, uh, you know. I'm sorry, but uh, the Dalek blaster coming out of their hand and the the the, the eye stalk coming out of the head. Why is that even necessary? I mean, they can be, you know, slaves of the Daleks. That's fine, but it's just kind well, of like I mean, too I mean, obvious. In other words, fine. in order to be a slave of the Dalek, you've got to have the whisk coming out of the hand and a stalk coming out of the head. It's like that seems to just be pointless. It's just I mean, I understand why they do it because then kids can do that and they can sell, you know, the hand thing that you know that can slap on their hand and a little hat that, you know, makes them look human but has a stalk coming out of their head. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a bad one for me. It's like I just, I mean, I I still love Matt Smith as, as the Doctor, um, and and I love the whole 
surprise of seeing um, General Lewis Kilman there, and and I like the fact that you know he got there and, and she ended up being a Dalek. But you know, um, how was she making her voice sound like her old voice? Was this kind of a, the way she was tapping into the the uh, the uh, comm system that she was able to um, you know, project this human voice? Because you know, quite clearly when she was talking out loud in the room, she was sounding like a Dalek. Um, uh, what was I going to say? There was something else good that I think that I thought of, but uh, <laughs> oh no, something bad. Uh, with for those of you who want to go back and, and and look at the text chat, there's a lot of arguments going on about the the whole Amy and Rory baby thing, and um, I found that whole thing. If you'd seen Pond Life, you kind of understood it. Uh, the fact that this, there had been a lead up to this. Uh, if you hadn't seen it, then it comes completely out of left field that, that they're no longer together and you're introduced to that at the very, very beginning, right before they're kidnapped by the Daleks. And so then you've got to wait until somewhere in the middle of the episode to figure out what the heck's going on there. And um, I'm sorry, as, 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 uh, as a married man, I think it's completely ridiculous that, that there was no way that they didn't discuss this issue. And that she just took it upon herself to dump him. Um, but then again, Amy's never been the most mature of people. So that kind of uh, and, and and the fact that and this really irritated me no end. Rory basically said, and rightly so. I waited for you for you know was it two thousand years? Yep, <laughs> hauling this damn cube around and protecting you, I love you the most. And she follows it up with, "No, you don't, because I dumped you because I can't have kids." I'm sorry. No, Rory still wins. Uh, Rory still wins. I mean, he waited how long with a box? You know, no nookie, not being able to see her. I'm sorry, Rory wins. There, there's just no, her little sacrifice. No, sorry, no. You don't get to win by being selfish and saying, "Well, I did this for us." No, 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 no. No, you could have sat down and been a grown-up and said, "I just found out that I can't have kids. Um, do you really want to be with me?" That's the adult way around it. No, no. We're just going to say, "Well, I don't love you anymore. Get out here. Let's have a divorce." It's easier that way. <laughs> but I still love Doctor Who. So don't... <laughs> you may think I'm being evil and wrong and stuff, but you know what? I'll be here next week. I'll be watching. And that's because I love Doctor Who. And we're willing to wade to the things that we don't like to get to something that we do like. And, you know, there are things that uh, I do enjoy about the show, but this, unfortunately, was not one of them. Uh, <laughs> there were, like I said, a couple of good things. I love, I love Genoey Louise Colvin. Character or not, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> she's gorgeous. That's she's the comment I was gorgeous. waiting for. Okay, <laughs> I was like, wow, she's stunning. <laughs> I, I, I thought she was. I thought she was pretty cute, and I'm like, okay, Ian's gonna like her now. Oh, uh, I just, ooh, yeah. Uh, Is that a homina? Very. That's a homina, 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 homina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
very definitely uh, ranks up there. Uh, it's one of those things that it, it really kind of helps along with, you know, uh, the, the, the character development for me. <laughs> Amy, I was predisposed to not really liking because she's uh, tall and skinny and yeah, yeah. <laughs> shallow at all. You know, he's not no, shallow. Not, not at all. You know, she's tall and skinny. If I might say, that puts the episode up to the top for me a lot too. To be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Merlin makes a good point, and welcome to Merlin, Merlin who's who's now joined us. Uh, well, he joined us a little little while ago. Yeah, still not better than Perry, though. He's got a point there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my rant over. I did tell Dave um, if you want to finish on a positive, best not let me go last. <laughs> well, and go there last. you have it. You know, there's 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 good and bad things, and uh, you'll hear more of my thoughts. As we go through the episode later on this week, um, of course, myself and um, Mike and Dave, as we present to you the Colton Collective Commentary, talks all over the top of Asylum of the Daleks. So look out for that. But next is Dave. Okay, well, I think I'm in the middle of everybody here because uh, I actually enjoyed it uh, when I was watching it. And I think that's what uh, a lot of people were saying um, and, and you don't need to defend it. If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. If you didn't, you didn't. Uh, it may well have been how that I, I just spent the evening watching a, a film, Total Recall. Then I had four and a half pints of Guinness, and then I watched Doctor Who. So I was in a fairly relaxed mood. I mean, if you can, if you can watch some of the illogicalities of uh, the Total Recall film, uh, then uh, this was quite. Uh, you know, <laughs> logically based. Uh, I, the only credits, uh, uh, again, I'm mixed with that one. I didn't think I particularly liked that letter, but on the other hand, I've always thought, because I'm a lover of uh, BBC HD, I always thought the, the, the time vortex never really looks brilliant in HD. It's still just about resolving itself. Uh, but what I did like about it is I noticed that, like uh, somebody else said, that... Um, off the letterings came these like little shadows, and when you actually saw the TARDIS, and uh, I did actually slow it down and freeze frame it, when you see that little shadow go off to the right, it's actually the letters um, DW that come off the front of the TARDIS and break into like a smoky shadow. Uh, so that looked rather good. Um, I, I, I didn't that closely watch the end credits, so I can't comment on that. I was absolutely thrilled to bits of the fact that this there was such a great reveal and after all the battles that we've had to try not to have spoilers we did indeed slip by this great one all credit as i said before to those people who had gone to see it in the movie screenings because as far as i know uh it didn't make it i mean admittedly i was avoiding stuff anyway but as far as i know most of the people it was a surprise too and a very great one it was indeed um again with a i think if i was uh ken deep here from Dr. Podcheck, I'd be saying, well, has it got rewatchability? And I'm not too sure how many times I will rewatch this, but I certainly, on the on the face level, on the going with the flow, uh, as Ken and a few others have said, Jeff uh, and Kobo, it was it certainly seemed to work. And the thing is, of course, if a story is going well, you don't start nitpicking at it, but. I, I do also agree with the other half of the people, which well, I'm not trying to put one foot in both camp here. Uh, there were some quite uh, what, difficult ones to actually uh, square the circle with. Um, I mean, now the now the Daleks have forgotten the Doctor. I think that was some. I think what basically what he's trying to do is um, he may well uh, Stephen Moffat have lost a bit of the the 
the uh, the plot holding together because he was trying to get in you know four or five elements he was trying to get an un, uh, an unusual way of introducing a companion he was trying to get a situation where most of the universe doesn't know about the doctor now the daleks don't know about the doctor um he was trying to make it like a yet another new introduction to doctor who um and he was also trying to give some people some information about a little bit more information about the time war which of course has confused people as Rick Wall and uh, Darth have said about the fact that Scar of Planet shouldn't really be there anyway uh, what else? I mean what's the Doctor going to do now when the, if the Daleks bump into the Doctor and they're not afraid of him what's he going to do? Go up to the eye store and say you might not be afraid of me but you'll be afraid of my friend Rose I mean <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a bit of a blow, isn't it? You know, she blew up your Supreme Emperor. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, I think that's really about... Oh, yeah. Um, um, uh, although I did uh, like uh, the look of uh, Gemma Louise, um, I, I, I'll just have to put one thing in. Although she looks fabulous in that red dress, I still think the Master's Wife in the red dress trumps her. Uh, she, she looked absolutely stunning, but that's just me being shallow keeping in company um oh one thing that uh, i would have thought darth might have mentioned although it was a very very minor point uh when right at the beginning when the doctor and the companions were being captured um when they got to um they didn't say amy pond they said amelia pond not quite sure why they would do that unless it's just the fact that the daleks wouldn't abbreviate a name and since her full name is amelia perhaps that's why they use the word amelia but um, all in all, I thought as I watched it, uh, it was good. My son and my brother-in-law both watched it and thought it was, uh, you know, uh, enjoyable stuff. Uh, it didn't uh, upset them in any way. And uh, I suppose in a way they thought of it as um, an inoffensive but fairly a good adventurous opening. But I must admit, um, I'm viewing it more critically now and thank you for those people that have pointed those things out it doesn't in any way undermine the fact that those people who enjoyed it did enjoy it um it's going to be interesting when i'm watching it again for the commentary because i'm not sure, too sure which way i'll go uh, i've had this in the past where uh, and i've mentioned it many times before the gridlock didn't particularly it wasn't particularly impressed with gridlock when i first saw it but more and more it's become one of my favourite episodes and um, there are other episodes uh, that um, I don't really think and I agree with Darth I don't I didn't particularly like the beast below I wouldn't necessarily put it at zero and I certainly wouldn't put this one at zero but I would say it was a fairly inoffensive and less complex opening than the 11th hour I think I preferred the 11th hour as an opening episode but uh, we have been going nearly two hours 20 minutes I'm sure Ian wants to give everybody one chance uh, to have a closing remarks uh, so I'd give it a 3 out of 5 and uh, maybe Ian might read out a couple of uh, uh, ratings that those people in chat might want to put in at this point Ian, do you want me to play the, the little teaser for that or should we play that right before I mean I don't know whether anybody wants to comment on it or whether we want to warn people who want to leave I'm 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 thinking uh, due to time constraints that we should uh, probably do some ratings and and our goodbyes and uh, then let everybody know that we're going to play the clip and then let that clip play us out and then let them know in the text chat when we're done with the show that we're done playing it okay. and save all the comments on it till next week.
Right, yeah. All right. Um, so um, if you're solely in the text chat, if uh, and if you haven't already done so, if you'd put your uh, rating preferably out of five in the text chat, um, but I'll quickly go around the room on those of who are still on audio and uh, and uh, get their ratings. Ken, your rating out of five, sir. I would give it a four. Four. Thank you very much. Jeff. Well, I already put in text chat that I gave it a 4.5. Oh. Sorry, I missed that. But that, that's okay. <laughs> you were on audio and it gives people time while we were talking. <laughs> very very Barry. enjoyable. Thank you. So I'd Barry. probably give it about a 3.5. Okie dokie. Darth. Negative point five. Negative point five. There we go. <laughs> go get him, Doug. <laughs> Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Well, I would give it a three out of five because there are some big logic plot holes to take away from it, even though I had a lot of fun. Uh, well, one thing we didn't mention is um, Friday night's Craig Ferguson show, um, the monologue. Mm. If you have access to it, watch it. Uh, let me just say, Tom Baker, Tom Baker's scarf, BBC America plug, and more. He talked a lot about Doctor Who, yeah. yeah. Excellent. It's also Alrighty. a good episode and if you're a fan of Bunheads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, my rating, I'll probably give it, uh, I'll agree with uh, a couple in the text chat, uh, two and a half. Just because I'm, I like Doctor Who, so I can never, never go down to zero. I'm terrible that way. <laughs> but going through the text chat, uh, Merlin gives it. Uh, well, it's confusing there, Merlin. But as an episode, he gives it, as an episode zero. Uh, but four collapsed souffles also. So I'm confused. But hey, Cyborg uh, gives it. Odd uh, life was episode zero. Ah, uh, I see. I got you. I got you. Four collapsed souffles, he gives it. Uh, Cyborg gives it uh, two and a half out of five. Uh, Will's girl gives it a two and a half out of five. I voted for sex and gives it a three and a half out of five. Uh, Love, Jenna, and Amy's eyeshadow. Uh, let's see. Uh, we already did Jeff. Uh, Carp Lance gives it a six out of ten. Extrapolate from that what you will. <laughs> I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> and that about wraps it up. Yes. Um, thank you all for coming, and thank you uh, for, especially those of you who uh, uh, were on audio and uh, waited, had to wait until the very end. Uh, next week, of course, we will be, Dave's very, very good at this and keeps note of who goes at what position. And so we'll be rehearsing that next week. So if you spoke last, you'll be speaking first next week. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to close out the show with... Uh, audio trailer for uh, next week's episode. If you have not seen the trailer and do not wish to hear anything about it, uh, now would be a good time to put take your headphones off or turn your speakers off, and we will let you know when we're done in the text chat. So please, no comments in the text chat either. And so, without any further ado, it's goodbye from Mr. J. Basie. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. And here we go. This ship contains the most precious cargo. The ship's coming through the atmosphere. The creatures on board this ship are not objects to be sold or traded. Who sent you? That's my dad. What's going on? The ship's been boarded before. You think I will punish those 
who get in my way. I'm launching the missiles. What's your name again? Whatever's down there is coming this way. Queen Nefertiti is Egypt. What is it? Dinosaurs on a spaceship. 